Well, hello, church. We hope you are having a fantastic weekend uh, this weekend. I, I know that you are. Hey, before I introduce uh, another one of my friends today, can we just take a moment? Can we give a massive welcome to all of our first-time guests one more time? Come on, let's put our hands together for them. Uh, if you're a guest with us this weekend, it is so great to have you. Uh, I know that you could be in a million and one different places, but you chose to be here with us today. And uh, and so we are truly honored by that. I hope your experience with us today is one that is life-giving. Um, but more importantly, I hope I hope you meet Jesus. I hope you see Jesus and his people uh, here at the well. And it's just a great opportunity to be, have, be able to have you with us uh, today. Um, it's a special privilege and honor to be able to welcome my next friend, who is honestly one of my best friends, uh, to, to the stage today. Uh, Pastor Pace Hartfield pastors a beautiful church, an amazing church in Quarter Lane, Idaho. It's not a rough place to be. Trust me. Um, I've, I've been to worse places, but uh, if you haven't been to Coeur you need to get up there. You need to see everything that's happening. There's an absolutely beautiful place. Uh, but even more importantly, they uh, Pastor Pace uh, and his wife, Sarah, and their team there, pastoring One Place Church, are building a beautiful work for Jesus there. Uh, they're impacting their community. They're seeing lives changed and touched and transformed. People saying yes to Jesus. Uh, they've just recently been able to close on some land up there where they're getting ready to uh, continue to build everything that God is calling him to build there. And uh, man, I could tell you about all of his leadership expertise, which I lean on often when I'm asking questions and trying to figure things out. Uh, I can tell you about all the things that Pace has done, of course, across his uh, history of ministry. But more than that, Pace has got an amazing family. Him and Sarah are dearly loved by Erica and I. Uh, I respect this man. Um, I look up to you, Pace, um, and uh, I appreciate all the wisdom and passion and love and care that you pour into my life personally as an overseer of this church into a lot of the things that are happening around here. And so I got to just tell you, it's a, it's a true honor uh, to have this friend with us today. Pace is truly loved by this house. He's been here once before, but it's been a while. So hey, can you do me a massive favor as Pace comes to preach today? Come on, would you stand to your feet? Would you put your hands together? Would you just shout this man down that I love so much as he comes to bring the word? Pastor Pace Hartfield. Come on, somebody. How we doing, family? You look better than that. How we doing, family? Man, it's great. It's so great to be back in Salt Lake City. And I brought two of my boys, or my two boys. I don't have two others. Two girls. My oldest son, Caden, headed to Oxford this year. Let's go. My youngest son, Grayson, headed to DBU in Dallas this year. And then I've got my uh, two girls. I've got a senior in high school and then a little caboose, a 10-year-old. Keeping it young. My wife and I have been married 25 years. Let's go. We got married when we were 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, thank you guys. Um, thank you guys for being here this morning. And as Pastor Jason said, I know there's a lot of other things that you could be doing. Um, but who's glad to be in the house of God today? The 9.15, the coffee drinking folk. Now you gotta understand, I bring you greetings from the Pacific Northwest, but I am not from the PNW. I am uh, a bit of a, a military brat, army brat. Shout out to all the military men and women, let's go. Uh, I was born in Germany, 
moved to Florida, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee. I'm a little bit of hood Billy. A <laughs> little hood, little hillbilly. So you're going to hear that come out every now and again. It just is the way I am. And out of Tennessee, went to Texas, and we did a little stint there for about 16 years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, uh, man, it's just an honor. I got to tell you, there are very few places that make my jaw drop because we live in a beautiful place. But we have seen some of the most beautiful places since we've been here. Of course, we went up to Park City. got to do that. Went out to the desert, shot some guns with Seth and Eric. Okay. But yesterday, drove up to Brighton. Wow. Unbelievable. So look out, Utah. Come on, somebody. But we're glad. Um, we're glad to be here. I want to get straight into God's Word. And I'm really believing today, uh, as a result of our time together, we'll have a better grasp of what it looks like when we pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done earth as it is in heaven. That's what I'm aiming for today, that you walk out of here equipped, that you walk out of here with some handles to live this stuff, okay? Let me pray, and we'll get into God's word together today. Father, you are faithful. It's none like you. You're high and lifted up. Who are you? Who are we that you're even mindful of us? So, Father, right now, we uh, push pause on all the other things that are going through our mind and our hearts, and we give you our attention. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that as a result of our time together, we look more like Jesus. Um, do what only you can do in these times. Speak. Do the supernatural. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. One day a man was on his way to go see his friend who actually happened to live out on a farm, and so he's headed out to the farm, turns down a dirt road to get to the farm, and on his way, he sees this barn out in the distance, and on the side of this barn was something that actually made him stop in his tracks and get out of his truck and go take a closer look, and as he got closer to the barn, he saw 20 targets, and on those 20 targets, in the middle of each bullseye was a bullet, 20 targets 20 bullseyes. So the guy gets back in his vehicle and heads to his friend's house, gets out of the truck, and the first thing he says to his friend is he says, hey, before we do anything else, you got to tell me about the targets on the barn. Who did the shooting? Who is such a great marksman? Who, who is the guy who shot all those bullseyes? This bullseyes, his friend said, that was me. I did it. He's like, you shot every single one of those. yet." Shot every one of them. Well, he said, where in the world did you learn how to shoot like that? His friend said, well, it was super easy. I shot first, and then I drew a target around each bullet. <laughs> Come on. It's my kind of shooting. This story actually illustrates the reality of many of our lives. Because we do everything we can to give the impression that our lives are on target when in reality, all we've done is we've learned to paint really, really well. I know for a lot of us here today, we come here camouflaging our emptiness, our failures from the past week. You've painted over your pain real well. You brought a smile in with you here today. But the reality is, is that many of us are tragically 
people off target. How about you, but I'm tired of living off target. I'm tired of having things in my life where I'm off target. If the truth be known today, every single one of us has an area in our lives in which we're off target. For some of you, it's self-medicating. And I don't know how you self-medicate. Maybe it's over drinking. Maybe it's binge watching Netflix. Maybe it's late night runs to Shake Shack. I don't know how you self-medicate. But some of you are self-medicating and it's causing you to be off target. Others here, you're self-medicating maybe through pornography or you have a pornography addiction and there's a real frustration there for you. Um, Others here, you have serious identity challenges. You don't see yourself the way God sees you. And as a result, in that area of your life, you're, you're off target. And most of the moments in our lives where we're clear, we, we understand that the times that we're off target are simply because we've left God out of the equation. We sort of mute him. We, we pull his, the volume of his voice down in our lives in that moment. But how many of you guys are grateful today that where the rule of the Holy Spirit is there's hope? There, there's hope for us all today. As long as you have the Holy Spirit, we have hope. As long as uh, we have Jesus, we have hope. As long as God's agenda is still on the table, it's not over till it's over. And I know it sounds like, again, maybe some of you had some, some heavy week. Uh, coming into this week, heavy days coming to this week, or maybe you felt like, you know what, Pace, that's been my year, that's been my couple of years. I want to just encourage you today that with Jesus, there's hope. But there is some responsibility for you and for me. There is something that we're called to walk in. There is something that we're called to passionately and persistently pursue. You see, we have to learn to pray like Jesus. I'm saying if there's someone to learn to, how to pray from, it ought to be Jesus, right? And if Jesus prayed, how much more do we need to pray? Think about the connection he had with his heavenly father. Think about who he is within the Trinity. 100% God, 100% man, God incarnate. And yet he took the time to walk in step with his father and praying. And we need to learn how to pray like Jesus, because here's what prayer does. Prayer simply puts God's agenda back on the table. And so what I wanna just encourage you to do today, those of you who are self-medicating, those of you who are addicted to pornography, those of you who here today, maybe you're struggling in your identity, whatever it is, and you have one, I have one. Can we just do this just real quick, get this out of the way? If you have a struggle today where you know you're not living God's best in an area of your life, we just raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, I can tell you the area it is. It's pride, okay? Okay. So what prayer does is it puts God's agenda back on the table on the area of your life in which you're not living God's best for your life. So that's where we're stepping today. That's where we're walking today. And we're gonna look at how Jesus prayed. And we're gonna look at what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come down into our everyday lives. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing, y'all say first. The first thing that Jesus says and tells us to pray after addressing our heavenly father, aren't you glad that's where it begins relationally? He says, first, remember that you are connected to me through my father. Those of you that don't have fathers, those of you that had poor fathers, those of you like me who your father has passed on, you you and I have a heavenly father. We are relationally connected to the God of the universe through Jesus, through our heavenly father. And then he says, hallowed be his name. It's what we just did. We set his name apart. We lifted his name on high. Hallowed be, I know it's not a a word we use today, but we gotta learn to daily, hallowed be his name. But then he goes and the first thing he says when, when, to learn to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life, in the details of my life, in the area of my life, that's a struggle. I mean, where the struggle bus pulls up every day and says, all aboard, baby, let's go. And I get on it more times than I should stay away from it. You see, God's priority for your life is to establish his kingdom in your life. And so many of us have a misunderstanding or we don't fully grasp what it means when we say the kingdom of God. And because we don't understand the kingdom of God, we both misrepresent the king and we miss the target of our lives. The kingdom has a king and his name is Jesus. So title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is simply, the kingdom of God made known. The kingdom of God made known. What does it mean when Jesus prayed, your kingdom come? Is it a future reign? Is it talking about his millennial reign? I want you to look how Jesus kicked off his public ministry in Mark chapter one, verse 14. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what we see is that the kingdom of God was then, the kingdom of God is now, and the kingdom of God is continuing to Develop, And what we need to know and what we need to understand and what I love about this church is we got to understand that, that it's always about God's glory before man's need. It's always when you pray, when you live your life day to day, if you would wake up thinking first, hallowed be your name. You would wake up first, being about his glory. And oftentimes when we pray, first thing in the, at, the, at the top of the agenda is our needs. And I'm just going to tell you something. I know some of you use prayer as a sleep aid. You know what I'm saying? It's like, tired, I got to pray. Or I can't sleep, I got to pray. And, and, or maybe some of us are just new to Christianity. You're like, I don't know really what, what, what to pray. If you're going to start anywhere, you just start by hallowing, by bringing glory by recognizing God the Father and just, and just talking to him about who he is and, and what he's done in your life. You want to you wanna lift him up. But oftentimes what we do is we begin with our needs, right? God, I need this, I need that. Bail me out of this. If you get me out of this situation, I promise that. We negotiate with God, right? We're always trying to negotiate with God. But what Jesus is showing us here is that it's always about God's glory before man's need. God's glory is our priority. Start your day by giving God 
glory. In the, in the original language, when you read how Jesus taught us how to pray, when he said, your kingdom come, there would be an exclamation point after your kingdom come. Exclamation point. So it not, would not be, your kingdom come, your will be done. It would be, your kingdom come. Come your kingdom. Come your kingdom. Your glory is my priority today, God. I fix my eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I put my eyes on you, almighty God, who has rescued me, who has taken me out of the dominion of darkness and brought me into a sonship. I am a son of a king. I am the son or I'm the daughter of the king of the universe. So how does the kingdom of God come and what does it look like? If you're taking notes, write this first thing down. The kingdom of God comes to earth when the will of God is done on earth. Real simple. We make it hard, but it's real simple. The kingdom of God, when Jesus is teaching us to pray this way, he's saying, here's how my kingdom comes. The kingdom of God comes when the will of God comes into the earth and into your day-to-day lives. And heaven comes to earth when God's will becomes your way. God's will, your way. So what that means is if you want heaven in your family, get God's will in your family. If you want heaven in your sex life, it means get God's will in your sex life. Side note, studies show that married people do it better. Okay, just just do the research, I promise you. Married people are more sexually satisfied and fulfilled. And so, and so you want, oh man, I'm trying this and dabbling in that and hooking up with her or whatever. If you want God's best for your sex life, for your sexuality, get God's will in your sex life. You want heaven in your relationship, get God's will in your relationship. Because here's what I figured out. As long as... As I'm walking in God's ways, I'm never out of his will. God's will is sometimes like, well, I don't know what God's will is. You keep walking in his ways. You keep saying, what does God have to say about this? And as long as I walk in his way, you can't step out of his will. You're not like walking his tightrope of God's will. You step in his ways, and it is an incredible road that leads to life and liberty and freedom. So we're to pray that God's will be done right here, right now, in and through me. The kingdom of God also comes to earth when I daily submit to him as king. And when God's kingdom comes into our lives, Jesus takes his rightful place. The king of the kingdom. And it brings a revolution. We are not who we once were. Aren't you grateful for that? We're being transformed by his grace. Theological uh, term, sanctification. Some of us back up when we hear sanctification because we think it's like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't date girls that do, you know, and we think it's like, oh, back up, you know, sanctification. But I'm just telling you, as you take steps towards obedience, we'll talk more about this in a minute, as you learn to keep in step with the Spirit, as you learn to walk by the Spirit, what will happen is you will be made new. He will change you from the inside out. It's an inside job, y'all. 
Isn't it? So some of you guys, you know, you've, you've got God at a distance right now, and maybe you're here, you're joining us online, you're not really sure about God, you're not sure about Christianity, because you're like, got to clean up first, and I got to get some things in order first before I come to him. You got it all wrong. It's like taking a shower before you take a shower. Okay? You come to Jesus like you are, just as you are. And here's what's amazing. This blew me away when I gave my life to Christ. He began to change me from the inside out. I don't know about you, but man, when I got saved, I'm telling you, there was stuff in my life that looked nothing like God's best for me. Nothing. My, the, the, the patterns of my life, the belief system of my life, the worldview of my life, but he began to change me from the inside out. You see, the king takes residence in our lives, but here's the challenge. Say there's a challenge. Here's the challenge. Can we talk real this morning? Challenge is, is that there's still a little dictator called our flesh trying to control us. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. You still got a flesh. Okay? You still have, now listen, I'm not talking about positionally anything changing. The moment you make a faith reception, the moment you ask Christ into your life, you're justified by faith, just as if you're sin. But your flesh don't know that. And sanctification is the process of your flesh catching up to your true identity. Okay? And so we have this wrestle and this battle. I love what Paul talks about and how he talks about this in the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5. He says this in verse 16. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Can I get an amen? So that you are not to do whatever you want. Let's talk about this verse for a moment. Just leave it up there. Let's talk about it. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Paul does something very interesting here because he starts with the resulting behavior, but it requires us, the second thing, if you'll read in Galatians 5, this, he, he first starts by, you say, hey, walk by the Spirit. That's the resulting behavior. And if you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Later on, he says, but be led by the Spirit, okay? And this is the picture of a day-to-day -day walk. Can I show you what walking looks like? Ready? Here we go. All right, now, that wasn't that amazing, was it? Y'all didn't applaud me. If I'd have done some backflips or done the gritty or something, I don't know, y'all would have been happy or laughed or at least maybe entertained you or something, but what did I do? I just, I simply walked, and, and, and some of us have this idea of, of Christianity that when we give our lives to to Christ, that everything's going to change all at once. Positionally, it does, but you got your flesh to deal with. And what you got to learn is it takes daily walking by the Spirit. And here's what's beautiful about walking. I don't know if you saw it. I know I went really fast. But I started here, and I ended up over here. Okay? I've been a Christ follower for 30 years. Before I was a Christ follower, my relationships were a wreck. My perspective of Girls in my life were all jacked up. I was abusing alcohol alone. 
okay? But here, here's why I still got a long ways to go because here's what my walk has looked like. But guess what? I started here, but I'm here today, okay? But, but we got to learn. We got to learn to deal with this, uh, this flesh. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word flesh is an interesting word. It's sarks in the original language. He's not talking about your skin, okay? He, he's talking about your old way of thinking. He's talking about your sin nature. He's talking about uh, the, the desires and the appetites that are opposite of God's best. Anybody got any of those, by the way? I just got some appetites, you know? Every now and then I got to go get a blizzard from Dairy Queen. I just, I, and I found that I make decisions based on my strongest desire in the moment. <laughs> and sometimes I gotta get a blizzard. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict. Y'all say conflict. In other words, this is what happens in your life and mine every day. In the octagon of your soul, there is a cage match. It is the spirit versus the flesh. And now, fighting. That was a good, that was, that was good. That, that, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Fighting the flesh versus the spirit. And the spirit's this little dictator. Nang, 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 nang. It's a little dictator inside of us. And if you made a faith reception, what you got to understand is that the dictator has been deposed. So he has no rule and reign over you. The only control... He has is what you give him, okay? This is your flesh. So I said earlier, what we do is we make decisions based off of the strongest desire in the moment. And some of us just got to be real. There are times in our lives when we desire what our flesh wants more than we want what God wants. And until we can just get real with that, we're going to stay stuck. But when we're just honest about it and are straight up about it and say, you know what? And I've had to pray this. God, <laughs> I really want to go do that. I really do. I, 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 my, my desire in me to do this is stronger than what I desire for you. God, change my desire. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so we got to learn to silence the dictator because there's going to be a face-off. There's going to be a cage match. And as we learn to do this, I, I'll begin to submit to the king, and I have to remind that dictator that he has been deposed. So, so tomorrow, or maybe it's tonight, when the little dictator, nine, 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 comes screaming in your life and stirring up passions and desires that are opposite of God's best for your life. Remind the dictator that he has no rule and he has no reign. No longer is calling the shots. And what you're going to do in that moment is you're going to submit to the king. And in that moment, you know what's going to happen? The kingdom of God is going to show up in your life. And you're going to walk in victory. And all of a sudden, you're going to get some obedience momentum in your life.
and you're gonna be further away from who you used to be and closer to who God created you to be. That's the way it works. Love replaces lust. Joy replaces sadness. Peace replaces chaos. Patience replaces impatience. Kindness replaces meanness. Goodness replaces wickedness. Gentleness replaces brutality. Self-control replaces weakness. Listen, we're called to be world changers, but we can't change the world until we let the king change us. It starts right here. Okay, so quick question. Pause in the middle of the message. Quick question. Is it obvious in my life that I'm a loyal subject to the king? And not just the life you brought here today. The life that you are living when you're alone. When no one else is looking. The life you're living when you're on the struggle bus. Is it obvious in my life that I'm a loyal subject to King Jesus? Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So here's the deal. There's a priority of pursuit. So write this down. If you're taking notes, the kingdom of God comes to earth when I persistently, y'all say persistently, and passionately, y'all say passionately, pursue God's will over what I want. It says, God, your kingdom come, not, not God, my kingdoms come. God, your kingdom come. And so as I, I, I go, some of y'all, we just need to learn to go, go for a walk. I'm just going to, you know what today? I'm just going to go for a walk. She's going to go walk. I'm going to learn to walk by the Spirit. I'm going to be led by, how am I led by the Spirit? What's that look like? God, your kingdom come. Seek first the kingdom of God. I, I have to have persistence and I have to have passion pursuing Jesus' kingdom first. And then all these things. What are all these, all, th- all these things? All these things you stressed out about? That's all these things. Food, shelter, provision. Jesus says, listen, all the things that you're worried about, all the things that you're, you're, you're making your life about, all these things that you think life is really about, that's secondary to me. Seek first the kingdom and all those things, I'll handle it. But I'm telling you, if you will seek first his kingdom, that pathway to liberty, the pathway to freedom that you're longing for, that the world is pining for and has lost their ever-loving mind right now, what is happening in America? We've lost our minds, but it's what they're pining for. They're made for kingdom way. We're made for kingdom way. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John, and since the good news of the kingdom of God is preached in every way, I love this, forces his way into it. And the word forces, it means that he you pursue with great passion and energy, right? You, you force your way into it. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open. So again, you, you miss it if you don't understand the original language here. Really what this is saying is ask and keep on asking, Okay. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And I know that you're living with a frustration in your life because there are areas in your life where you're not experiencing freedom and God says keep seeking. 
keep knocking, keep asking, keep going back to me, keep coming back to me, keep looking. Of course there's a frustrating why, because the flesh and the spirit are at odds with one another. They're contrary to one another. They're battling each day, and the one that wins is the one that you walk most with. So this idea, this is the idea of, of consistent, continual pursuit. And it's through prayer that God strengthens our faith. It's through prayer that God aligns our heart. It's through prayer that he tests our faith. Anybody ever had your faith tested? It's through prayer that God knocks off the rough edges. So we have to learn to pray God's will be done and not give up until we see something. You say, well, pastor, I've been praying for six months. Well, maybe your miracle's coming in the seventh. Don't stop on six. Ask, keep asking, seek, keep seeking, knock, keep knocking. You know, miracles happen all of a sudden over a long period of time. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> miracles happen, even the ones that you feel like just happened in an instant. Oh, no, you got to know that the Holy Spirit's been working. And they happen all of a sudden over a long period of time. And we would love to have the kind of life where the Holy Spirit shows up and just zaps us all. And that's cool, right? That's entertaining and sometimes it happens. But more times than not, you're in the middle of a miracle and you have no idea. And you oftentimes, we will bail out on a breakthrough before the miracle comes because we, we stop going for a walk. We get impatient, Okay. So we got to keep moving. So, so I've given you three ways the kingdom of God is made known. I have one more before we get to that. Consider this, okay? I'll make this point very fast. The kingdom of God that we're pursuing, the kingdom of God that we're asking to come down, to bring heaven into history, to bring heaven into our reality, it is like no other earthly kingdom, Okay? The world has never seen a kingdom like the kingdom of God. It's opposite of what the world thinks is power. It's opposite of what the world thinks is the ultimate, okay? I want you to just even consider a, 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 a cursory glance through the pages of history. And, and what history will show you is that even the great Babylonian and Assyrian empires are simply a footnote in history. The kingdom of Rome has left us only with ancient sites and a dead language called Latin. The royal families of Russia are long since gone. The Third Reich of Hitler has been left in disgrace. The, Bur the British Empire no longer rules the oceans, and America trembles on the brink of a moral collapse. Kingdoms may rise and kingdoms may fall and nations may refuse to heed God's call, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This kingdom is like no other kingdom. So when you consider the kingdom of God, you have to think from the perspective that there's never been a kingdom like this. There's ne can't nobody do me like Jesus. There has never been a kingdom like this. I've never experienced freedom like I experience when it's kingdom freedom. I've never experienced liberty in life, sex life, relational life, occupational life, like when I experience kingdom, okay? Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. 
Your dominion endures through all generations. How many? Tell me another kingdom. There's not one. So we're asking for his kingdom to come. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. If God is in it, can't nothing stop it. There are some things, though, that God will not do without your participation. And this is what we're pushing in on. That place in your life, unique kingdom. He requires your participation. He requires your submission. He requires your trust. And hasn't he earned it? There is no one more worthy of your trust, of your loyalty, of your obedience. The kingdom worldview is completely different than the worldview of any other kingdom. Finally, let's close with this. The kingdom of God is made known through rescue stories. Chances are you're sitting beside someone today who has a rescue story. They started here, but now they've been down the road a little bit. They were lost, but now they're found. They were blind, but now they see. They were dead, but now they're alive, and now they're in process of bringing heaven to earth. If you want to know why, some of you are new to the well, and you're like, what is, what's the deal with this church? This church is a rescue church. People are giving their lives to Jesus in this church. People are being rescued. People are finding salvation and freedom and forgiveness, and they're pushing shame away and condemnation away. One of the most distinguishing factors of a Christ follower is that God has rescued us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, Colossians 1, and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Come on, we're kingdom kids. We're kingdom kids. You know what's going to happen this week? Our students are going to camp. Okay? That's what's happening. All right? And you know what's going to happen? There's going to be some rescue. There's going to be some life change. There's going to be some students who bow the knee and, and give their hearts to, the, to Jesus. There's going to be some people, there's going to be breakthrough moments. There's going to be addictions pushed aside. There's going to be students there that have confusion with identity and all these things. And Jesus is going to show them exactly who they are and whose they are. Loved, accepted, called, anointed, appointed. A people called out a royal priesthood. God's kingdom's coming. And when the king comes, listen to me, it will be visible. It will bring the visible establishment of God's reign over all the powers of evil. When Jesus returns, his return will be personal, visual, physical, and sudden. Glorious, and it will usher his people into his everlasting and the awareness of that then brings transformation and power for this now. And it's this, this now that Jesus wants to deal with right now. 
this now, the, the area in your life, the area in my life where I'm not experienced kingdom, where I'm still listening to the dictator, where I'm still in bondage or still not walking in that freedom. He wants to deal with the, this now. Won't you bow your heads and close your eyes? We've been honest with each other today. I think that the Spirit of God has probably prompted each of us in an area in our lives where we want to see kingdom and we're not walking in it. So just by way of confession, and confession is simply you saying to God what he already knows is to be true. If today there's an area in your life where you're not walking in kingdom and you want freedom, you want the liberty that's offered, If there's an error in your life, just simply right now by way of confession, no one else looking around, just lift your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for freedom, for breakthrough. We no longer have to live by the voice of the dictator because we're ruled by the voice of our king. And I thank you for the boldness and the honesty of the church today. And Father, I pray that you would empower them, fill them afresh and anew with the Holy Ghost. Give them a kingdom perspective. I know that there's others of you here today that you have never bowed the knee because you've thought that kingdom and Christianity is really about getting clean first. And today, God has shown you that he loves you just as you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you that way. And so today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to begin to see the kingdom of God alive in your life, just on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, no one looking around, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with. One, don't miss it. Two, three, across this room. Yeah, yeah. Those of you online, yeah, just keep your hands up. Yeah, many hands, many hands. I'm going to ask you guys to pray this prayer out loud, everyone in this room, just to help support those who are praying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, My way is leading me to destruction. And I need forgiveness. And I believe to the best of my ability that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he died on a cross for my sins. And he rose again so that I can be free. So Jesus, I give you my life. I submit to you, my king. Start calling the shots. Start being my leader, be my Savior, and my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate those decisions? Come on.